Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Amen. Anybody come to call on the name of Jesus Christ? Amen. Come on, come on, come on. Let's worship Jesus in this room. Uh, well, it really is a delight and honor to be here, gather with God's people. I love the way Hebrews, Hebrews 10.25 says it. It says, do not neglect to meet together as is the habit of some. Then it goes on to say, but encourage one another. Just encourage somebody and say, you look nice today. Tell somebody else, I'm happy to see you today. Come on, tell somebody else, you could have been at Kanye's Sunday service, but you made it to Epiphany Sunday service. But tell somebody else I really did want to go to Kanye Sunday. <laughs> Amen. Well, it's good to be here. Listen, we, we got work to do. Grab your Bibles. Meet me in 1 Peter 2. That is so funny. I really did. When I heard that they were at Allen AME, I was trying to figure out if times worked out, if I could run over. But uh, it did not work out. All right. We are going to be in 1 Peter chapter 2 today. Uh, just a quick um, shout out to all of those that were hanging out with us on Wednesday. We had a really good time in this room on Wednesday. Amen. Can we thank God for his presence? Let me just give quick pastoral reflections. If you guys can give me a little bit more in the monitors, just a little bit more. Um, let me give some quick pastoral reflections. You know, Wednesday, we fasted all day. And for some of you, that was your first time ever fasting. Uh, it's a spiritual discipline where you deny the flesh. And we'll talk a little bit about that today. But you deny the flesh um, by not eating and some of the other things that you typically would do throughout your day. Social media and, um, you know, uh, uh, web browsing, all of those things we tried to disconnect from so that we can get in tune with the Lord. And man, shout out to you guys. Uh, when I walked in here on Wednesday, I was deeply encouraged to see just a room full of young people uh, coming from work and uh, getting on their knees, praying that back wall. People was just sitting out praying. People were all up here just praying. And, you know, for some reason that has become common and normal to us. But that is very abnormal. There are not many places that you can go in the city and just get walk in and just feel the presence of the Lord and hear prayers are being prayed. And so I just want to let me first say I'm proud of you. I really, am. I'm, I'm proud of Epiphany Church and I brag on you guys everywhere I go because um, your commitment to the gospel, your commitment to going deeper in the things of God, your commitment to understanding the word um, as your pastor, I am deeply proud of you. So can we thank God for you being committed? Amen. Well, speaking of committed, let's get into the word of God so we can commit ourselves there. We are in first Peter chapter two. I'm going to just do two verses today. Why don't you pick me up in verse 11? It says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Conduct yourselves honorably amongst the Gentiles that can be. Uh, transferable to unbelievers so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and glorify God on the day he visits. I want to preach today from the topic entitled Christianity and culture. Let's dig into the, some prayer before we dig into the text. Father, uh, 
many of us are, if we're honest, we're struggling with trying to reconcile the differences and the collision course between our Christian walk and the culture that we live in. Some of us are in this season doing well, but we failed before. And some of us are in a season where we're just failing. and We're submitting ourselves to what the culture is giving us. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that Peter's words would challenge us today. I pray that Peter's words would encourage us today. And at the end of the day, Lord, I pray that we would walk out and spiritually grow because of the word today. Two verses can give us so much. So, Father, I pray, oh God, that you would minister to us through the Apostle Peter. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Let everybody say amen. amen. Christianity and culture. Uh, a few years ago, one of uh, my dear friends, a good friend of mine, lives in Kentucky. He actually sits on our management team. Uh, he had a sudden death in his family. And because we were good friends, uh, I, I made my way out to Kentucky and I was going to go what I thought I was going to the funeral, but I wasn't. The times didn't work out. Uh, and so I could only get to what's known as the visitation. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of a visitation. At that time, I didn't know what it was. I'm familiar with a funeral. I'm familiar with a wake familiar with a, a burial. I'm familiar with those things, but I've never heard of a visitation. Because I didn't know what a visitation was, I did not know what the appropriate attire was for the visitation. So I had to call a friend because I didn't want to be too casual if I was supposed to be more formal. And I didn't want to be too formal if I was supposed to be casual. Anybody ever did that? You walked in, you was dressed up. Everybody else was dressed down or vice versa. And so I called a friend. He told me what to wear and I got there and I was appropriately dressed. In fact, the first time I uh, attended uh, our mother church down in Philly, Epiphany Fellowship in Philly, um, I came from a very charismatic background. OK, we, we wore suits every Sunday. We wore shoes every Sunday. We three piece, whatever you you did your thing on Sunday. And. I got to Epiphany and I was culture shock for me because everybody looked like y'all. We had cut, they had cut ups on, and I'm like, man, is this church? Or like, what are we? I was just inappropriately dressed. And all of us in this room have experienced that before where you've walked into an event or walked into a room and you quickly realize you didn't have on the right thing. And typically, see, the social, social side of you doesn't like that feeling. The reason we don't like that feeling is because whenever you are inappropriately dressed, we're always met with the feeling, I don't fit in. We're always met with that feeling that I stick out like a sore thumb. You, you feel like everybody in the room is looking at you when really nobody's paying attention, but you feel like everybody's zoomed in on what you have on. And what Peter gives us today in two little verses is Peter shows us that the feeling I don't fit in is normal for the believer. Peter says, you're not supposed to fit in. Peter shows us today in verse 11 and verse 12 that you actually you have a different address if you've trusted in Jesus. You're, you're, you're an immigrant. You're an alien. You don't live here. And yeah, you might have been born here. I don't care if you were born at Interfaith Hospital or you were born in Nigeria. It doesn't matter if you've trusted in Jesus. You have an address change. And so so the, way, the way Paul will say it in Philippians 3 20, he says our citizenship is in heaven. So therefore, if our citizenship is in heaven, then you are operating a, a, amongst a people and in a culture that is not the norm for you. And so therefore, you're not supposed to fit. You're not supposed to fit in. Therefore, you're supposed to stick out. And Peter says that this abnormal feeling that we have is actually very normal. And 
I, I don't know about you, but some of you have been trying to fit in with your friends. You're trying to figure out why she don't like you and why he don't like you and why I can't, why nobody can ever, I can't ever seem to just go deep and build relationships. It's because you're not from here. You have a different value system. You have different passions. You have different desires. And I don't care if you grew up with that person. You might have been aligned at one point, but the moment you've trusted in Jesus, something switches in you. You, you ever got in a situation, you were like, man, I used to love this, but I just don't fit no more. I used to enjoy this, but I just don't enjoy it no more. It's Peter saying it's because you're a stranger. It's because you, you are an alien. So he's going to give us principles on how to live a Christian life in a culture that is anti-Christian. He's going to give us those principles today. Look at verse 11. Watch how he lovingly gets their attention first. It says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against the soul. Let me lift up the, the, the first part because it's so encouraging. Dear friends, I urge you. This is the apostle Peter who has apostolic authority and does not have to say friends nor urge them. He could command them. How do I know he could command them? Because he had authority in the early church. His letters would have been deemed weighty. They would have been on par with Old Testament scriptures. There, there's a point where uh, Paul writes a letter to the Corinthian church. And he says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, those of you who think you're spiritual or think you're a prophet, you should acknowledge that the words that I'm giving you are a command of the Lord. Early on, the early church would have seen the apostles writing letters and said, that's words from the Lord. And so Peter could have easily said, this is what you're going to do. But he doesn't do that. He gets their attention by saying, friends, come here. I just, I just got to talk to you about the, un, the feeling of not wanting to uh, not fitting in. I got to talk to you. I got to urge you on how you are supposed to operate in a culture that is not yours. And so Peter urges them. And when he finally gets their attention, he identifies them and gives them two titles. Verse 11 says, dear friends, I urge you. Watch what he says as strangers and exiles. See, at first glance, we think that those are the same. But they're not a stranger. You, some of you might have in your Bible sojourner, a stranger or a sojourner is really a long term residence. It's kind of it's synonymous with how we think about immigrants or immigration. In other words, you could be born somewhere else, moved here at five years old, lived here all your life and you feel like this is your home. But it's really not your home. You're an immigrant here. What Peter is saying is even if you've trusted Jesus for a long time, yes, you might be a stranger or a sojourner. But I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to the exiles, which is different because that's a temporary resident. You might have just got here. You might have just trusted in Jesus. And although they mean two different things, they're actually he's trying to say the same thing. Whether you've trusted in Jesus a long time or just met Jesus, you're a stranger. You're an alien. You you're, you're not from here. And because you're not from here, you can't operate the same way that everyone else operates. Remember, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. And so that uneasy feeling that you have when you get around your friends, Peter is pulling us and saying, listen, that's that's just normal. That, that, that feeling of never, ever being able to fit in and never getting the jokes that everybody's able to get. And you want to laugh and sometimes you fake laugh so you don't look crazy. But in reality, you know that you don't fit in. And Peter's saying, I, I, I'm trying to plead with you that that's normal. Listen, sis, ain't nothing wrong with you. You just different. But bro, listen, it's, it's not that they don't like you. It's that you're different. 
You can't do what everybody else does. And so he, he's showing us the collision course between Christianity and culture doesn't always align. And, but while he's doing that, he's saying, by the fact that I'm giving you principles on how to engage the culture means I want you to have a presence in the culture. Why is that important? Because many of us think that he's not saying exile and stranger. We think he's saying hermit. You think he's saying be disconnected, but nowhere in this book does Peter say be disconnected from culture. He's saying get in culture, have a faithful presence, a gospel witness by how you live, by how you speak, by the places you go. Represent me everywhere you go. He is not calling you to stay home and watch Michael Todd on on YouTube. I like Michael Todd. No shade. I love Michael Todd, but he's not calling. But that's the other thing. See, Michael Todd don't know you. So he said, you need a pastor that can pastor you. And so what we do is we sit home and we be like, it's just going to be me and the Lord. And God is like, no, get in culture because I'd actually need you to be salt and light. Like, stop always wanting to be around the body. Get around some people that don't know me so that you can be a faithful witness with purity in a culture that is unpure. That's what he's calling us to. And some of you, it is really hard for some of us, not you, but us. It's really hard for us to engage the culture because instead of just being a good Christian, you want to be a deep one. And what happens is you kill opportunities for the gospel because they think you're weird and never want to hear the gospel from you. Because every time you get around, it's a scripture for them. You want to judge them instead of just building a relationship. Build a relationship with somebody. What I've learned is that you got to earn the right to share the gospel with them. You got to walk with them through their hurts. You got to walk with them through their joys. And after a while, they'll be so brought into you that you'll be able to say, let me tell you about this Christ that I serve. But what we've done is we've become so deep that we think that culture is here and we're supposed to be here. Peter's like, I'm giving you principles to get in it. Get in the culture and it's cultural relevancy. That's one of our core values as a church. The reason you're dressed down today is because I want the dude on Fulton Street to be able to walk off the street and come in here and not see us all stuffy up in here. Like, where are your cut ups? And I think that you can be faithful to the gospel and relevant to the culture and not water down the gospel. Listen, don't get it twisted. Every week you come in here, you need to hear about Jesus. Every week you come in here, you need to hear about you. You need to get a good exegesis from the word. And so what I'm saying is we can do that and maintain relevancy in the culture. Some of you are just too deep. You want to open up Christ's muffler shop. Just open a muffler shop. You, you, you want to open up Christ's nail salon, the nails that pierce his hand nail salons. No, just open up a nail salon. You, you, you want to do Christ's majesty makeup, just do makeup. But here's what I'm going with it. Don't be deep with the title. Be a faithful Christian while you're operating your business. It's that simple. And so Peter's saying, don't disconnect. Be in the culture, but don't be the weird Christian that nobody wants to be around. Be a regular Christian that can faithfully point me to Jesus and you look like me. See, Peter, see, Paul models this for us. If you read Acts chapter 17, the Bible says that Paul goes into a place called Thessalonica. When he gets there, he looks around, watch his cultural relevancy. He looks around and there's a bunch of idols all around him. 
And he's trying to figure out how can I communicate in their language? How can I communicate this Jesus Christ? And then God gave it to him. There's a statue that doesn't have a name. He says, oh, I see that you have a statue that's an unknown God. Let me tell you about that unknown God. See, what he just did was he took the statues that they always walked by that they knew about. And he said, let me show you relevancy. That statue, I can tell you about Jesus. And even in telling them in that cultural relevancy, Acts 17, he quotes their stoic philosophers. Did you know in your holy sacred scriptures, Paul quotes a stoic philosopher in Acts chapter 17? You know the scripture that says, in him we live and move and have our big... See, y'all know the scripture that y'all know that that was a stoic philosopher in Thessalonica. And Paul says, see, this is why every now and then you come in, we're going to quote Cardi B. See, the reason we do that is because people coming in off the street are bumping her. So we might as well speak the language and give you the truth of the gospel at the same time. And that's exactly what Peter does when he walks into this city. He says, let me show you Christ, but let me not be stuffy and deep. Let me do it in a way that is very relevant and palatable to you without watering down the gospel. Listen, cultural relevancy is so important. So this passage, he says, listen, be a good Christian. Be a faithful Christian, but don't feel the need to be so deep that the culture doesn't understand you. Be faithful in what you're doing, but do it in a way that's relevant and palatable for people. This is why I'm hyped about Chick-fil-A opening up. I am. I am. See, I'm not just hyped that Chick-fil-A opened up downtown for the food. I'm, hi- I'm hyped because they're able to, to, to be a faithful witness and presence. Listen, I went to the, to the, to the opening. They, they had this prayer dedication. They literally dedicated the building and the business back to the Lord. And every time you come in there, all they're doing is being a faithful witness. You're going to hear Christian music. You're going to get you a good Christian. They didn't name it Chick-fil-A's Christ Sandwiches just Chick-fil-A and the owner is a faithful Christian see that is what it called that's what the scriptures is calling you for it's not calling you to disconnect from the culture he says you're a stranger you're an alien but I'm giving you principles because I want you to engage it not disconnect from it so the question on the table is how do we maintain purity in a culture that does not give us purity how do we how do we maintain a faithful presence of being Christ followers in a culture that is anti Christ? He, he gives us a couple of ways to do that. Stick with me. Ride with your boy for a little bit. And I'm gonna let you guys out of here. Verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles. Here's how you do it. Number one, abstain from sinful desires. And so what Paul is saying here is, listen, I know the culture that you live in and the culture that you live in gives sexual or sinful desires is easily accessible. Like I know the culture you live in. Sex is easily accessed today. Chat rooms are easily accessed today. Lying has become normal from the top officials of our government. All they they call it fake news now. Like it's become culture pushes this idea and gives you on a platter sinful desires. And he says, abstain from them. In other words, there's just some places that you can't go. There's some videos that you just can't watch. There's some jokes that just ain't funny. There's some conversations that you just can't have. There's some clubs that you just can't go to. Why? Because he says abstain from sinful desires. I was on the train the other day. On Thursday, I was on my way to the church 
It was early in the morning, and I sit down on the train. It's a packed train. I sit down on the train, and this girl airdrops me a note. I'm nosy, so I clicked on it. I wanted to see what it was. So I clicked on it, and when I looked at it, she says, she, she gives me a note on, this is where you drop your nude pictures, and she sends me a link. Now, I'm looking around feeling dirty. I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out. You know how y'all do. I'm looking around, and I seen an old lady across, across the way from me. I was like, oh, it's her. She, 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 had that, she had that, if you're really a prince, I'll marry you look. So I wasn't sure. But he, he, here's my point. It was so easily accept, accessible. If I wanted to drop nude pictures that day, I could have did it without any of y'all knowing. So it's so easily accessible. And, and it frustrates me because, you know, it's, uh, the, 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 the sinful desires is always dangling over you. But holiness ain't. Like, like walking with the Lord ain't easy for you. But what's easy for us is easily getting into sinful desires. And that was my story. But how many of you have been presented with sin that nobody else would know about? How many of you have been presented with ideas? What it is, is a culture is handing you sinful desires. And so what Peter says is abstain from it. Abstain from those sinful. Don't give into it. And I don't want to beat you up. Some of you came in here and you, you gave into sinful desires last night. I, I, like, I don't want to beat you up, but I want to tell you, you can, you, you can fight it, though. You can, get, you can abstain. You can, don't get knocked off the horse and stay down. Get back on it. So he says sinful desires you have to abstain from. See, some of you need a list. Right now, some of you are going to pass the B. Just give me a list of do's and don'ts, and I will follow the list, and I'm good. Well, Paul gives us a list in Galatians chapter 5. Here's 15 things that he says are passions of the flesh slash Sinful desires. Here they are. Sexual, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of angers, rivalries. If I'm going too fast, go to Galatians 5 and you'll get the whole list. Dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. See, what, what you did when I said abstain from sinful desires, you only thought physical you only you said I just don't I, if I don't have sex then me and God are cool but on this list is not just physical sensuality's on the list and sensuality isn't physical it deals with your thoughts it deals with your imagination it deals with the lust that we linger in our mind and so what we do is we say I'm holding up by not abstain I'm abstaining from sinful desires by not having sex but you thought about it we said, I ain't have sex in a year. I'm good. But all year long, you've let your imagination roam. And Peter is calling you not to just abstain from physical sex if you're not married, but he's calling you to abstain from the stinking thinking that we have, from the, from the unhealthy thoughts that we have. Sensuality is on the list. Did you know that sensuality is, is, is where masturbation falls under? Can I talk straight in here? Are we good? Masturbation falls up under. Don't put this one on the, on, on the story. Uh, masturbation <laughs> falls. Uh, this one just for the house. This is some stuff just for the house. Masturbation falls up under sensuality. Why, why does it fall up under sensuality? Can, can we talk right? The reason it falls under sensuality is because it deals with your imagination. And so many people come to me and be like, Pastor B, I'm not having sex, but can't I, can I at least masturbate? And I'm like, okay, if you're, unless you're the one person that learned how to do it without having unhealthy thoughts, if not, it's sin. 
Not only is it sin, Peter says, abstain from it. Don't just abstain from not having sex. Abstain from the imaginations and the things. Because what happens is, listen, I'm preaching to a room full of 20-year-olds. I know what happens. Way before you had sex, you thought about it. A list of unhealthy thoughts were lingering in your mind. This is why, fellas, this is why, you know, Job says in, 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 in the book of Job, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. But that's interchangeable because men ain't the only one that lust. See, so, see some of y'all double tapping too much. Some of y'all looking too long. Some of y'all looking and be like, oh, look at the not. It's sin after a while. And so what Peter says is abstain from it because, we, you know, the fellas get a bad rap. We get a bad rap. We listen, fellas ain't the only one lusting. Some of the ladies are. And so Peter says, listen, this is what I need you to do. Peter says, I need you to abstain, not just from the physical act. Yes, I said sexual impurities in Galatians 5, but I also said sensuality. If I took your thoughts and laid them out for everybody to look at, what would we think? If I took my thoughts, not from your whole life, from yesterday. <laughs> from, from this week. Because yesterday might have been a good day from this week. If I took your thoughts Monday to Saturday and laid them out for all of us, would there have been sensuality in there? Would there have been impurity in there? And Paul says, Peter says, abstain from it. But if all you do is abstain, you're setting yourself up to lose. Because he does not just say abstain in verse 11. Verse 11, he also says, he says, dear friends, I urge you as strangers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. That sounds like a fight to me. In other words, the flesh is waging war against your spirit. Therefore, your spirit has to wage war against your flesh. And one of the things I know about fighting your flesh is you have to do it every single day. There can't be a day that goes by that you get off your game because the enemy is on his game Every single day. And so when you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, you wash your face, you get in the shower. The next thing you do is you take boxing gloves and you put them on. You have to put them on because you have to fight every single day and you might lose sometimes. Listen, every the war sometimes is is met with battles that have been lost. And maybe you lost a battle this week. And maybe, you know, as I talked about impure thoughts, that's you this week. But you can get back in the ring today. You can get back in the fight today. And so what he says is he says, I, I can't just tell you to abstain. I have to tell you to abstain and fight. And the fight, what I found out about fighting our flesh is that if you're not careful, the flesh is strong and will overtake you. Don't you think you don't you think that you're strong enough to handle that sin? You got to fight. And some of us have to fight all our life. You're waiting for the mystical moment that you don't got to fight no more. There, there's not. You'll get that in heaven. Right now, every day you got to fight in the words of the great theologian Sophia from Color Purple. All's my life. I had to fight. And spiritually, all your life, you're going to have to fight. Don't you wait for that moment that you come down and say, I'm completely delivered. Praise God if that happens. But the reality is 99% of the room, we fight every day. You got to fight your you, you got to fight that desire to be back in that relationship. Fight that desire to look at unhealthy things called porn. Fight that desire to be in that sexual relationship. But you don't have to. We got to fight. 
put on the boxing gloves. And the reason I say the, the, the flesh is strong, many of us that fasted on Wednesday, you knew how strong that flesh was. You, you knew you was hungry. You clicked on social media a few times. They, they, I clicked on it by accident and said, Ty, can you move all of this stuff for me? Because I don't know how to move the stuff. She moved it all into a folder that I couldn't touch it. And, and so what happens is the reason she had to do that is because my flesh is weak. You think your flesh is strong? Your flesh will have you messed up. What does Jesus say? The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. You underestimate how strong your flesh, your flesh will mess you up every time. And so what Peter says is, listen, don't just abstain, because if you just abstain and stop doing it, you're going to fall back into it. So what you need to do is wage war against what's waging war against you every day. Don't skip a day. Now, Paul picks this up as well. Can I preach a little bit here? Paul says in first Corinthians nine, this should comfort you. Paul had to wage war. And Paul says that I beat my flesh into submission. Do you know the NIV literally says I strike blows to make my body my slave? That's what you have to do. You think it's a cute, cuddly fight? No, you got to wrestle. And what I found out about getting in the ring is sometimes you need other people in the ring with you. Because there are moments where you are weak, you are tired, and you need to call somebody else and say, I need somebody to fight with me. Because this is a battle I can't win by myself. This thing is too strong for me. So he says, listen, abstain, abstain, abstain. But don't just do that. Fight, fight, fight. Now, how else am I supposed to engage this culture? Verse 12, we'll land the plane in verse 12 where he says, this is what else you're supposed to do. Conduct yourselves honorably amongst unbelievers or Gentiles so that when they slander you as evildoers, they will observe your good works and glorify God on the day that he visits. In other words, what, Paul, what Peter is saying here is that when you're around your friends that don't know the Lord, which, which by the way, he's encouraging you to by the fact that he tells you when you're around them, he encourages us to get around people that don't know the Lord. And the reason I have to push that for a second is because some of us, all we want to do is be around the body. What you got for me? Can we come to this event and can we have this and can we do this every single day? And at some point you realize you stop being around non-believers. Therefore, you stop being a faithful witness because all you want to do is get around us. But you got to get out. And so he says, when you're around your non-believing friends, you can't be the main one turning up. You can't because after a while, see, your friends, what is happening with the culture is they're causing you to put on more culture and you're not causing them to put on more Jesus. And so you get around them and you fold right into everything else everybody else is doing and they start to maintain more character and integrity than you. But you're the witness. And what happens is after a while, they will start to slander you. After a while, they will call out the inconsistencies between your Christian walk and what they see. How do I know that? Because there's a word that, Paul, that Peter uses in verse 12. He doesn't say if they slander you. Do you see the definite word that he uses there? When they slander you, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. The moment that you don't think your inconsistencies will be called out. And see, that's the thing. Some of it's slander, but some of it's true. Everybody ain't gossiping on you. Some people are just telling the truth. But my hope and my prayer is that we would have enough character and enough integrity and enough godliness and enough Jesus in us that when slander comes against you, everybody else is saying, no way, because I know her character. 
I know I know his walk with the Lord. If you got to work and your coworker said, what church you go to? You say, I go to Epiphany Church. We exist to join Jesus. Go through the whole thing. We exist to join Jesus and his mission to redeem our city. And they said, oh, you go to that church? The pastor, I, you know, I saw him coming out the, the, the strip club. I, my prayer is that all of y'all would be like, that's a daggone lie. Because that man has character. He has integrity. And the same is true of you. When slander comes up against you, everybody else will say, that can't be true. Because they walk with the Lord. They walk honorably. Do you see this word honorably in the text? The Greek word for it is kalos. It literally means desirable or attractive. Your life should be attractive, but not an attraction to you. Attraction to the one who gives you power to walk right. People should look at your lives and be like, I don't know what it is about you, but it's so attractive. Please tell me more about what it is that you do. And you can say, oh, Jesus is who I serve. The reason I'm able to walk in a culture that is anti-Christ is because Jesus empowers me to do so. And hear me and hear me well. I'm not calling you towards honorable living to earn favor with God. You can't do that. The reason that you're walking straight, the reason that you're able to pull back from sinful desires and fight, the reason you're able to do that is not to earn favor with God, but you do it because you've gotten favor with God. There's a difference. There's a difference in the motivation. You're not doing it so, God, you can love me. Do you see how I haven't had sex and I've been controlling these thoughts? Have you seen it so, God, you should love me more? No, you do it because you've already been loved by the cross. See, I want to walk right because Christ died for me. I want to I want to live. My motivation is always the gospel. Don't ever get it twisted. I want to walk in a culture that is anti-Christ with faithfulness because Jesus walked in a culture that is anti-Christ with faithfulness. And I want to be like him. I want to be like my savior. One that could see sin around him, engage it in a loving way without folding. Many of us have folded too much. My hope and my prayer today is that you would fight. My hope and my prayer is that you would abstain. My hope and my prayer is that you would live honorably amongst Gentiles. My hope and my prayer is that people would see your life and be so attracted, Carlos, that they would be so attracted to your life that you'd be able to share the gospel with them without being deep. That's my prayer. That's my, that's my hope, is that you would maintain a relevancy in the culture, but not fold and be like the culture, but say, I'm going to change the culture. I'm going to shift the culture because I'm a culture shifter because God has empowered me. And I know you're sitting here going, it's impossible, Pastor B. This is impossible for me to walk this way in this culture. It is not impossible. You can do it. Why? Because you got God living in you if you've trusted in Jesus. If you've trusted in Jesus, you got the Holy Ghost living in you. So therefore, we can make it. Therefore, we can fight. We can abstain. We can live honorably. We can do so with integrity, not to point people to us, but to point people to our Savior. Every head bowed and every eye closed.